Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD 101. Get a diagnosis or not? Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. Women diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood are more likely to have depression, be stressed, and have low self-esteem. It's recommended they talk to a professional to develop better life and stress management strategies. But here are some tips. Identify the sources of stress and make changes. Develop healthy self-care habits, such as getting adequate sleep, exercise, and good nutrition. To learn more about ADHD in women, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay. been the host of Attention Talk Radio now for um, 14 years. And over that period of time, I've had the pleasure of interviewing some of the foremost experts in the world on ADHD. And honestly, when I started the the program, I did it as a means to kind of get out there and have something to talk about. Little did I know that I would get an incredible education um, on ADHD from the experts that you kind of can't get in the book and you can't get in a class. So I wanted to do some shows to see if I could share – my experience and the knowledge that I've gained, and quite frankly, a little bit of my opinions, uh, to help those that are kind of new to the game, kind of put things in perspective. I'm a very contextual learner. Um, I need a bigger picture to understand how it all gets put together. And um, other people are really more, they just want the details. My brother once said, you know, some people just want to know that it happened. Other people want to know why it happened. I just don't really want the details. I just really want context in order to have a bigger picture understanding and navigate my way through it. So I decided to do a couple series of shows to kind of go back and just some basic fundamentals of ADHD, hoping that it might be of benefit to uh, some people. And to be honest with you, this is like kind of an experiment type show because um, (laughs) I'm going to do 
different pieces of this and then aggregated into a show or two. And I will tell you that there's going to be some uh, material that will show up in different places because it belongs in two different places. And so I guess I want to begin by the question of getting the diagnosis. There's a lot of people out there that are going on websites and answering a couple questions or, as we say, trying to diagnose herself on TikTok. Certainly, uh, that sounds attractive and somewhat inexpensive, but I kind of think it's kind of helpful to big, understand ADHD in a bigger picture and realize that if you do that, I'm not so sure you're really kind of taking it seriously. So why should I get a formal diagnosis? Well, in short, it's hard to treat something if you really don't know what you're treating. It's kind of a, a fun quote that I got from an interview many years ago from uh, Dr. David Teplin. By getting a proper diagnosis and understanding it, you will narrow your search and understanding or sometimes broaden your search and your understanding of things because ADHD can appear to be and misdiagnose as many other things. There are people with sleep apnea who have a hard time with regulation and concentration, et cetera. And if you've got sleep apnea and ADHD, but you're just diagnosing yourself with ADHD, then you're missing part of the problem. Or if you're trying to treat the ADHD and you've got sleep apnea, you might find that it's not working so well. There's some people out there who have symptoms from brain trauma, which is not ADHD. There's a new diagnosis uh, that's not in the DSM that's kind of come like in, um, it's called sluggish cognitive tempo for the people that have been diagnosed according to the DSM-4, the Diagnostic Statistics Manual, uh, with inattentive ADHD. We're finding out many of them actually don't have ADHD. They've got this other condition called sluggish cognitive tempo, and treating it is a little bit different than treating ADHD. I've had the pleasure of interviewing a few experts, uh, one physician in particular many years ago that had treated people with ADHD with uh, sometimes with chiropractic help and or, uh, forgive me, when the, they stick the needles in you, <laughs> acupuncture. Now, as I've come to learn, there are people who've got neck and back issues and um, they can manifest in ADHD symptoms doesn't necessarily mean that you have ADHD and the physician that was using the acupuncture and chiropractor would actually acknowledge that it wasn't that frequent. But, you know, if you've got some back issues, it show up as that. The point really here is, is that if you think you've got ADHD and maybe mild bipolar or some of these other things, you really have to have a really better understanding of kind of what you're doing. Furthermore, ADHD tends to go together with something. I think it's a general rule of thumb that 60% of the time when you have ADHD, you got something else along with it, whether it's dyslexia, a learning disability, uh, depression. Years ago, you couldn't be diagnosed, but now you could have ADHD and autism, which, by the way, I'm not so sure that changed. It's just the way we look at it changed. You can have ADHD and OCD, ADHD and bipolar, and the list goes on. This is also kind of important because if you've got ADHD and bipolar tendency to treat the bipolar first, there's actually some things that you can do to treat ADHD that can make uh, bipolar worse. So that's why we treat that in a, a more primary way. Again, there's also ticks and uh, Tourette's and some other things that kind of go along with this. Well, why would you get a diagnosis? Again, one is it's hard to treat something if you don't know what you're treating. Also, 
there's a love-hate relationship we have with labels. I know as a coach, I coach the individual, not the condition. And labels are, we've done some shows on this. Labels are the interesting thing is that labels are helpful because they help us communicate, right? You've got ADHD, you're labeled that. Problem when you label something is people quit paying attention to it. You know, as I described, people are, are not ADD. They have ADHD and it manifests very different in everybody. But when you say to somebody, I've got ADHD or you, you, you see somebody, you have a tendency to have there's one size fits all. As I describe to people, if you can imagine the color red, right, you'll, you'll latch in onto one shade. Well, there's an infinite number of shades. So there's this love-hate relationship with labels. You want the label um, to know what you're dealing with, but at the same time, you kind of don't want the label to get kind of pigeonholed. did an interview with um, Dr. Ari Tuckman many years ago, is that if you've got like ADHD or something like that, while it's helpful to get the diagnosis, and I'll talk about that for a second, you don't really want to disclose typically the diagnosis. You want to disclose the symptoms. So if you have ADHD, um, you might not say I've got ADHD. You just might say I have a working memory challenge. You know, it's, it's difficult. To, so when you ask for accommodations in that vein, working memory challenge is a working memory challenge. And it's, it's, people don't jump to conclusions as quickly as they might and do the label. Now, why would you need to get the label? Well, if you get the label, you can get accommodations to accommodate the impairment. Without that label, you can't do it because you've got to have that paper trail. One of the things that I've learned over the years is sometimes you might not see a reason to get a diagnosis at this point in time, but can be helpful. For example, most of the professional sports stimulant medication is a uh, performance-enhancing drug. So like Adderall, if you ever look in the news, periodically there's an athlete that's caught using it, and they're very quick to say that this is an ADHD drug, but it's an abuse drug like cocaine, alcohol, anything else. Um, not to imply that there's an ADD problem, but it's a performance-enhancing drug. If you're an athlete going along the way and you get to a point in time where you might need the medication, if you don't have a paper trail, Showing that you had that diagnosis, there's a good chance that they're going to be skeptical and think that you're trying to game the system, kind of fake an ADD to get it, and you're not able to get those medications if they really make some sense to you. So, again, the point really here is why to get a diagnosis? Well, it's hard to treat something if you don't know what it is, so it's a good job to get it kind of pinpointed. That's number one. Number two is typically if you've got ADHD, you've got something else going along with it. If you understand that, you're in a better position to, to be able to manage some of the nuances of it. And having the label affords you the opportunity to get accommodations, maybe medications in this moment, or it might provide the paperwork when you might need it down the road so that you can get it, where in the absence of it, you might not be able to do it, or you've got to look through a lot more hoops, a lot more rigorous to kind of make that happen. With that, I want to kind of go to a break right now. Our secret word is 101. I do want to do a shout-out to uh, Time Timer. For those of you that don't know, Time Timer is a visual timing system. As I described, it's great for ADHD because it's a cognitive shortcut. ADHD is very much an executive function impairment and really a thinking impairment. And when you look at a clock and you're trying to do calculations on time or math in your head, it can be difficult, whereas Time Timer is like this visual pie that begins to shrink. It uh, is like a cognitive shortcut, and you don't have to 
spend as much effort kind of managing time. They've been a longtime supporter of ours, so I just a shout out for them. So again, our secret word tonight is 101. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Before the break, we were just talking about... um, why get a diagnosis? If you've got the symptoms, why not just move forward? Well, as we described, symptoms doesn't necessarily mean you have ADHD. You could have something else, and you could have a comorbid condition, and um, you might actually need that label to get accommodations. What I want to talk about now is the diagnosing process. This is kind of a bit of a thing that I think is really helpful to understand in a regular medical situation, you go to a physician, and typically the first thing they're going to do is they're going to ask you about it, like, what's the history? And you'll explain, hey, I got this thing on my skin, and, you know, I showed up like a week ago or something like that. Then they're going to come over and do some type of an examination. They'll take a look at it, look at the visual symptoms of it, and then they might do a, a, some type of a test, a biopsy to confirm what it is. In the world of uh, mental health, it's not so cut and dry. What they do is the first thing they're going to do is they're going to talk to you, try to understand your perspective, kind of what's going on. And then a good physician will ask for documentation, maybe your driving records, your report cards in school, maybe your performance reviews at work, and they are going to reflect back on this data for certain symptoms to appear. They'll also ask you about symptoms. So again, the first one was a kind of a conversation. Tell me your experience, what's going to be. Then they'll start taking a look at the data and looking for these symptoms. And in the mental health world, there's not a diagnostic test. So what they'll do is they'll identify maybe some anxiety, maybe some inattention, maybe some time issues, various types of things. And then what they do is they'll start to take a look at the symptoms that they've got, and then they'll start taking a look at the conditions and seeing how many of these symptoms actually fit into those conditions in order for them to determine a diagnosis. Well, one of the challenges of this is like anxiety. Anxiety is a feeling. You can have anxiety from environmental factors, or you can have anxiety from more thinking issues. Somebody with autism might have some anxiety, if you will, from external factors. Somebody with ADHD might have some anxiety that relates to more cognitive type things. It manifests and feels like anxiety, but it resonates from a different place. So 
this is an example of you could have some anxiety, which actually might be more of an autism type thing than it would be an ADHD thing. Social skills are an issue often associated with autism, but sometimes people with ADHD are not self-aware in their head in some situations. And so it can be kind of tricky. And my point really here is that since there's no definitive test, this is all very subjective. And so what's important is when you're getting this diagnosis is to understand that process. And it's helpful if you get somebody who knows what they're doing and has a lot of experience with regard to this. One of the challenges I see in the world is a lot of people are going in, I think I got ADHD and they're going to go in to get that diagnosis and they're dealing with somebody who's only looking for that particular diagnosis. They're not looking for other factors. So that's why I think it's a good idea to get a comprehensive diagnosis because, you know, all you have is a hammer. Everything looks like a nail. You really want somebody who's got some experience diagnosing kind of across the board so they can isolate it for the reasons stated earlier. Because this is a bit of an art, it's part science to it, but part art, it's ideal that you get somebody that's got some experience doing it. They can kind of pinpoint some of that. So where do you go for that? This is another kind of a tricky issue. You can go to a neurologist or a psychiatrist, okay? They'll take a look at things one way. You can also go to a psychologist, all right? Another place to go find somebody. Now, it's – or actually your family physicians for some people, particularly pediatricians. There's some out there that do a lot of work with kids, and their practice might be skewed for people uh, – kids with ADHD. Now, understand – this gets a bit confusing if you go to a neurologist or a psychiatrist. Not only can they diagnose you, but they can actually prescribe medications. Whereas if you go to a psychologist, they can diagnose you but would have to refer you to get medications. A family doctor or internist, they can diagnose you and give meds, but they're not as specialized typically as a psychiatrist or psychologist in order to get the diagnosis. So this gets a little bit tricky, but the, as a general rule is you're looking for somebody who's got some experience. Um, ideally, psychiatrists are, are pretty good. Often you get the diagnosis from one person and you go to another individual for the medication management. That's another topic that we're going to talk about because that's actually somewhat complicated in and of itself. I'll tell you what, we're going to go to break. Our secret word tonight is 101. And again, a shout out to Time Timer, who has a great timing system that's helpful for some of those with ADHD to manage time by uh, making it cognitively easier to look at time. So with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. 
Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? <laughs> Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're, uh, we're doing a program here with some just some basics of ADHD, some contextual things that uh, I think would be somewhat helpful. Uh, we were talking earlier about why get a diagnosis, uh, proper diagnosis, and we were talking about the nature of getting that diagnosis. And we are talking a little bit about from whom you get a diagnosis. One of the things that I, I did not say is one of the things about ADHD, I think it's the number one diagnosed mental health condition in the United States and the world. And it's one of the interesting mental health issues that you can do something about. Uh, Dr. Ned Hollowell has said, if you get a proper diagnosis and treatment, you can live a fulfilling life. I think that's a pretty accurate statement. There's a lot of people with ADHD that, that, that are living fulfilling lives. He also said, and I think, if I heard him say, it can kill you. We have research led by Dr. Russell Barkus years ago that suggests that ADHD life expectancy is, I think, 8 to 13 years less than the general population. We've suspected that for a really long time, but how do you come up with that? Well, to do that, you've got to have mortality tables in order to look at that data and the mortality tables that are out there are usually owned by insurance companies, which is proprietary information. So Dr. Barkley was able to get his hands on some some years ago. They measured 14 different things that could impact you. Five of them you couldn't do anything about, like intelligence that has uh, an impact on how long you live. Five of them you can't do anything about, but the nine that were left, things to them. But as he said, the second tier variable, what all nine of those had in common the second tier variable was self-regulation, which is really the big issue of people with ADHD, the ability to pause and override their impulsive urges. And so most of the nine things that lead to a shorter life are related to self-regulation, which is you can do something about it, which goes back to the comment, if you have ADHD and get treatment, you can live a very fulfilling life. If you can't, it can create a lot of problems in your life, which is another reason to get the diagnosis. Now, how do you find a professional? Well, that's frustrating. I'm an ADHD coach, and I coach all over the world. There are certain areas of the country where I've got relationships with people that I know that are exceptionally good, but there's lots of areas I don't. And it's interesting because there's people out there that will treat ADHD, but it's not their primary thing. You'll go in and get diagnosis. They'll pre prescribe some medications, and that might be it. Other people specialize in ADHD. They'll work with you over a period of time to try to get medications right. Somewhat difficult because it's not take two pills and call me tomorrow. Um, it's an art to get medications right. It takes a fair amount of trial and error. The thing about the mental health world is – when you call them up, typically you've got to go in and see them. So there's this word of mouth thing that's helpful, but how do you find that? I'm going to pause right there by saying other places you can look is a lot of times you're going to go to your health insurance PPO directory to see who's contracted so that 
it's paid favorably, and sometimes that shrinks the pool down. Other places you can go is there's typically professional directories at uh, children with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or chadd.org, or the Attention Deficit Disorder Association. I believe there you are. Well, actually, Google that because it's not add.org. It's something else. Um, but you can go to those places. You can take a look at a state that you're living in coming up and uh, professionals that specialize in ADHD or post that stuff and based on their geographic area. So one place to start is to go take a look at your PPO directory and go to those directories and see what names end up being on both of them. Sometimes, too, it's helpful by talking to your primary care physician. Often, if they know somebody in the area, that's particularly good. But, you know, one of the challenges in this area is that it's not like, I guess, getting reviews are somewhat difficult, and it's a little bit kind of subjective. If you start to get into some more rural areas, this becomes a real challenge. I'm in Tampa, and there's lots of people in this area because we're a pretty large metropolitan area when you add in Clearwater, St. Pete, Sarasota, uh, Lakeland, and Brooksville. But there are some outer lying areas where it's really difficult to find somebody, uh, which is a challenge. Post-pandemic, there's been some organizations that have been telehealth that you can kind of dial into. That's a love-hate relationship with me. Some of them, I'm sure the people are really pretty good. Others, not so sure. That's just a general station. That's just my opinion. Don't take, like, like, put that in stone. But as a general rule, if you're in a rural area, it's expensive. You, you've got to take time off work. You've got to drive somewhere that's a long way away to find somebody. You might have to ch- pay for child care or days off of work, et cetera, so you can begin to access people that aren't in your area. But at the same time, it's a bit of a challenge. As a side note, I used to work for Aetna Insurance back in the 80s and 90s. And it was a part of the old days when there was something called an indemnity plan. Most people don't know what that is. And we went to PPOs. And then HMOs, and there was a period of time when I would be at employers promoting our, our benefit plan. And one of the things that I used to say is you got to remember 50% of physicians graduated in the bottom of their class. If you think about that, the ones that are really, really good versus the ones that are bad, who would sign up for the HMOs or PPOs? I'm not so sure that's a fair statement today, but back then – you would look on those directories and there was a lot of names in the United States that you couldn't pronounce at a time when we weren't as integrated. My quote, 50% of them graduate in the bottom of their class is, is a, it's an eye catcher. Like you have to pause. There's, there's a, you know, a lot of people get through med school. Some of them are good. Not all of them are great. That's what makes finding somebody to diagnose a bit of a challenge. I will tell you, it's helpful if you can network with people, although that's a bit difficult too because how much do you want to talk about this with some other people if your kid is in school my understanding is it is that if a teacher suspects a kid's got a problem they're not allowed to say i think your kid needs to get adhd because they're not a physician what their emphasis is your kid needs to be evaluated which goes back to getting a comprehensive diagnosis but sometimes schools have a list of people in the area that specialize in comprehensive evaluations. So that's something to consider. My bottom line here is I wish I had an easy way for you to find the proper treatment in somebody in the area. 
But again, start with your PPO directory, take a look at the added Chad websites, um, do word of mouth, talk to your primary care physician, and um, hopefully you can get something there. There's one other alternative that I want to bring out, and that is there are certain areas of the country where there are places where they do clinical trials. I'm in Tampa. There used to be one run by a psychiatrist I knew in Sarasota. Then there was one in Orlando. Often those organizations need to do clinical trials on maybe a medication or maybe some type of other intervention in order to do those studies, they have to do an in-depth evaluation and diagnosis because they need everything to be the same. And if you're concerned that you might have ADHD, often you can go volunteer for those programs and get a formal diagnosis in the process. Not only is that pretty thorough, but often it can be inexpensive or free of charge. And then when you're done, you might actually be able to take part in one of those clinical trials. Um, you could be in the placebo group, which you don't know, I think, until the end, or you can be in one that might uh, be the what they're testing. Once it's over with, although sometimes they'll help kind of hook you up if you're finding benefit and kind of move forward on it. So at the end of the day, the basics are I encourage people to get a comprehensive diagnosis so that you know what you're treating. You also know what the comorbid conditions are, so you know what that is. You want to get the label so that if you need medication or accommodations, they're available to you. As a general rule, you want to disclose the symptoms to other people, not necessarily the diagnosis on a day-to-day -day basis. I want to acknowledge that finding a physician that's good and has lots of experience at diagnosis is a bit of a challenge. So be prepared to put some work into this. Again, I got no magic wand, but hopefully this has given you a little bit of context, at least to how to go look. So with that, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Our secret word is 101. And with that, catch us next week. Take care.